Welcome to the 10-Minute Medic, the podcast for busy paramedic students. This podcast takes one medical subject and explores it for a maximum of 10 minutes. Here's your host, Dr. Bill Young. Today's podcast will deal with the issue of chest trauma in general and pneumothorax in particular. As you should always, let's start with a review of the anatomy and physiology of the respiratory system. The 12 pairs of ribs connect posteriorly with the spine and anteriorly with the sternum. The upper part of the sternum is called the angle of Louis and it will be helpful when we're judging whether there's been any movement of the trachea. The space between each rib is known as an intercostal space and will be where should we need to We'll insert needles or other devices to decompress the chest. The muscles that lie along these intercostal spaces are important towards increasing the rate and tidal volume when the work of the diaphragm is overwhelmed. The diaphragm is a translucent muscular organ that forms an airtight seal between the thoracic cavity and the abdomen. It contracts downward with inspiration and relaxes upward during exhalation. It's one of the most important organs of breathing. The action or physiology of breathing is all dependent upon a change in the atmospheric pressure both inside and outside of the thoracic cavity. First thing that you as a paramedic student must remember is that nature will try to equalize a vacuum. That is, if there's one location that has a lower pressure than the other, gas will flow into the lower atmospheric area in an attempt to equalize the pressures. The pressure found within the alveoli will change depending upon whether your patient is inhaling or exhaling. The alveoli are connected to the outside atmosphere by way of the bronchioles, the bronchi, and the trachea. As such, the pressure within the alveoli will equalize with that of the pressure found outside the body. The pressure found within the interpleural space, that is the space between the visceral and parietal pleura, varies. Normally it's about 4 to 6 millimeters of mercury lower than that found in the alveoli and by association that of the atmospheric pressure. When the diaphragm contracts downward, the space within the thoracic cavity increases. According to Boyle's law, when we make a container larger without changing the amount of substance within the container, the pressure within that container lowers. Think of it this way. If we blow up a balloon to a diameter of 6 inches and measure that pressure, then transfer all of the contents of that very balloon into another one with a diameter of 12 inches, what will happen to the pressure found within the second balloon? That's right, the pressure will be less. Going back to our statement that Mother Nature does not like it when there's a vacuum, she'll try to fill that vacuum with something so that the pressures equalize, air will rush into the lungs. The body contains barrel receptors that will measure the pressure within the lungs so as to prevent overinflation and almost always eliminate the danger of too much air going into them. Keep in mind that in this two-part process of inspiration and expiration, the inspiration process is the active of the two and exhalation is a passive process. The passive process of exhalation does not need any energy to expel air from the lungs. As the chest wall muscles begin to relax, and the diaphragm does the same, returning to its dome-like shape, the pressure within the thoracic cavity increases to about 4 to 6 millimeters of mercury greater than that of the outside atmosphere. This is the opposite process of our balloon example earlier. Instead, this time we're taking air from a 12-inch balloon and returning it to the 6-inch diameter balloon. Again, because of Boyle's Law, 
We have decreased the volume of the container and increased the pressure. This inequality of pressure, as related to the inside of the alveoli and the outside atmosphere, cause air to flow outward until the pressures are equalized. Blunt force trauma is any injury that is caused as kinetic energy is transferred through the tissues of the chest wall, generally without leaving an opening. Penetrating trauma happens when an object such as a knife or a bullet enters the chest. Either of these mechanisms can lead to a simple or tension pneumothorax. Let's take a closer look at each of these. A simple pneumothorax occurs when there is a tear in the lung tissue that causes air to leak out of the lung and into the pleural space. Depending upon how much air escapes, this may cause a partial or total collapse of the lung. It's not the same thing as a tension pneumothorax. One of the most common causes of a simple pneumothorax is a fractured rib. The ends of the rib are sharp and the movement of the lung pleura beneath the fracture can cause it to be punctured. Patients also have non-traumatic pneumothorax as a result of blebs or weakened areas on the surface of the lungs. There are several factors that go into a patient's presentation with a simple pneumothorax. These include how severe the patient's hypoxia is, as well as the amount of lung that has collapsed. Treatment for a simple pneumothorax is primarily supportive. Get your IV started, apply oxygen, and watch for the possibility of it progressing to a tension pneumothorax, which we will discuss in just a few moments. The use of pulse oximetry and waveform capnography is essential. Transport your patient in a semifellar's position and constantly monitor them for progression to a more severe tension pneumothorax. The second type of pneumothorax is that of an open pneumothorax. Most of the time, the mechanism of injury for this type of wound is penetrating trauma that allows a direct passageway from the outside atmosphere into the thorax. Air will tend to follow the path of least resistance when the patient tries to breathe and a considerable amount of air from the outside atmosphere will enter directly into the thorax because of this. Many times the wound will have a type of flutter valve made up of tissue from inside the body. This prevents air from being expelled when the patient tries to exhale. The mechanics of ventilation begin to be hampered as the lung on the injured side begins to be collapsed. This leads to the collapse of alveoli known as atelectasis. Not only is the physical aspect of ventilation compromised because of this atelectasis, the exchange of carbon dioxide and oxygen at the alveolar level is hampered. The initial treatment of an open pneumothorax is to seal it by placing your gloved hand over the opening. You can then apply one of the commercially available chest seals or in the absence of those, improvise one by using foil or plastic and sealing it with tape. Watch for the progression of the pneumothorax as patients commonly have a secondary injury to the lung. If the patient begins to complain of increased dyspnea, tachypnea, or tachycardia, open the dressing to allow any air that may build up in the thorax to escape. Once again, be sure to observe your patient for signs and symptoms that might indicate that they have progressed to attention pneumothorax. Attention pneumothorax is a true life and death emergency that occurs as air continues to be trapped within the thorax with no method of escape. This increased pressure leads to a shift in the organs and vasculature found within the mediastinum. This places greater pressure on the lung on the injured side, leading to an even greater area of collapse. In addition, the shifting of the heart will place pressure on the vena cava, causing a reduction in the blood flow to the heart. This reduction in the preload causes an overall reduction of the cardiac output. During your assessment of these patients, they will obviously complain of chest pain and difficulty breathing. 
As cardiac output and preload decreases, there will be a decrease in overall oxygenation in general and to the brain in particular. This will lead to increased agitation as well as anxiety. These are early signs of your patient being in compensated shock. Don't overlook them. Although the classic sign of diminished breath sounds on the affected side are accurate, it is often very difficult to determine whether they're present or absent in the noisy pre-hospital environment. Accompanied to this is tracheal deviation away from the site of injury. We tend to make a big deal of this sign, but keep in mind if it is present, it is a late sign. In addition, when you're assessing for the sign, be sure to look for it just above the angle of Louis of the sternum. Any higher up, and you may be led to a false negative as the trachea is anchored by strong muscles in the neck. Watch for your patient to progress into decompensated shock. Your goal in the treatment of these patients is to make an attempt to equalize the internal and external air pressures. This may be accomplished by the use of needle decompression. The research shows that this is a safe procedure for paramedics to do. Needle decompression is done by the introduction of a large 10 to 14 gauge needle with a catheter over the needle into the pleural space of the chest. The minimum length of your needle should be 8 centimeters longer if available. There are two insertion points that are used. One would be the second intercostal space in the anterior part of the chest, and the second would be the fifth intercostal space of the midaxillary part of the chest. Once the needle has been inserted, it should be removed, leaving only the Teflon catheter. You may hear a rush of air escaping from the thorax if the pressure found there is excessive. There are some positive and negatives to both locations. Some studies show that if there is a greater failure of decompression when used in the midclavicular area, because of a greater amount of fatty tissue in this area. The issue with the use of the midaxillary line is that when a patient has been packaged for transport to the trauma center, their arms may either occlude the catheter or hide it so that you may not know if it's become dislodged. Some agencies advocate for bilateral needle chest decompression rather than just decompressing on the affected side. Be sure to follow the protocols of your local agency. Reassess your patient every five minutes or sooner to ascertain whether their condition is improving or deteriorating. Rapid transport to a trauma center with surgical capabilities is imperative for these patients. Chest wall injuries, whether blunt or penetrating, are serious for your patient because they lead to a decrease in oxygenation as well as perfusion. You must be aggressive in your assessment as well as your management of these patients. Do not delay transport to the trauma center to establish IV. Start these en route. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the 10-Minute Medic. We hope that you'll join us next week when we will discuss the fine points of placenta previa and abruptio placenta. The easiest way to make sure that you don't miss any episodes is to subscribe in your favorite podcast delivery site. See you then.